0: Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan, because most of us are just regular people who love the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason, and here we delve into those reasons. This week, we have Dirk Marshall on the show. He is the host of the podcast VHS, spelled V-H-U-S, which is a podcast that talks about a new cult classic movie each week and then brings on somebody to talk about a profession that's portrayed in the movie, which is a pretty neat concept. He's covered movies like Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice and Slumber Party Massacre, too, which, no, Jody, I still have not watched. In this episode, we talk about how he fell in love with the horror genre while growing up in the aisles of an actual video store and why he continues to love the horror genre today. He gives me tips on how to introduce non-horror fans quote-unquote to the horror genre and to actually get them to like it a little bit. And he also recommended a couple of massively underseen Jeff Goldblum movies, which I love because I love Jeff Goldblum. We talked about pandemic horror movies and how he's slowly introducing his daughter to the genre too. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review and so appreciate it as it really helps people find us. I think I've rambled enough, so let's get into this episode with Dirk Marshall. Hey, Dirk, how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself to start, where you're from, et cetera.
1: Sure. I am born and raised in Oregon. I live in Portland now uh, for the past like 20 years, I guess. More interesting, I guess, uh, fact about myself is that I grew up in a video store. My father got into music, selling that, and then uh, eventually VCRs and camcorders. And then when the boom happened, he got into VHS. And so I had the luxury of spending my childhood in the aisles of a video store, just pulling whatever I wanted off the shelf and popping it in a top loader underneath the table with a blanket over it. And that was sort of my childhood.
0: Awesome. Well, we will get into that in a little bit, but first things first, what's your favorite scary movie?
1: Oh, okay. As as many of your guests, it's such a t- difficult question. I think it depends on mood. I think if someone asked me just randomly, I would say Phantasm, the first film. It's just, for me, it's like strange. It's weird. It's all the things I want in a, in a sort of a spooky movie. Atmospheric and the soundtrack is awesome. But I think the most important one for me is probably Critters 2, the new batch, because that was the film I saw where the sense of humor and the creativity involved. And I just didn't realize that horror could be anything more than just something that scares you.
0: Oh, cool. I'll have to introduce you to my friend, Mary, because Critters is one of her favorites as well. Oh, great. Yeah. And I have to admit, I've never seen Phantasm or Critters. So those are both on my list.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things I really enjoy about your podcast is that there's this sense of discovery and that you have these people on and they're talking about movies and you're like, oh, I haven't, I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, But I put it on my list and I I always appreciate that.
0: Yeah, there are so many horror movies that everyone has seen that I still have never gotten around to seeing. So I have a very long list going on my letterbox. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, I saw that you just watched Psycho Goreman. Is that true?
0: I did. I watched it today. I'm sorry to say I didn't finish it because I was really bored. It's not my kind of movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like it's not serious. It's just I didn't even find it that fun. I don't like the special effects. Not not for me, that s- space monster stuff. Not, not your for thing. Me. Not okay. for me. <laughs> so how did you first fall in love with the horror genre?
1: I think it's the amount of imagination involved. I think I was always a, an imaginative kid, and whether it's practical effects or creatures or just the bending of logic to allow ghosts or whatever to, to be involved. I, I, it just captivated me. And I, you know, growing up in the aisles, just the cover art would grab me. And then I would just want to know what evil lurked in this strange film, you know? So slashers weren't always my thing. It was, it was more so like something lurking in the woods or, you know, even like a, a comet that comes to earth and turns people into zombies, anything like that. I was like, okay, this is, this is my jam. (laughs)
0: <laughs> nice. So you said you grew up in a video store. Tell me more about that.
1: Yeah. So I didn't even think it was unique until I was almost 40 years old. I just, cause when you're a kid, like your reality is just your reality. And you think it's everyone's is everyone has the same experience. And I guess that wasn't true. My friend JL gave me a book of video cover art and I opened it and it felt like I was in my childhood home. And I realized like, oh, wow. I was massively impacted by this rare, experience of like every day walking past Rutger Hauer on numerous VHS tapes and being like yep there's my uncle Rutger Hauer but like I don't know Rutger Hauer like it's just uh it's just what you feel from being there and you know discovering movies it it just uh it's one thing to go to the store and to be like, Oh, maybe I'll rent this. But like, I was there all the time. So I saw a lot of stuff and then started just digging down, like looking at the stuff that's on the bottom shelf in the corner where it's like, it's filling space, but it's not like the number one film, like they wouldn't put it down there, you know? And so I, I would just dig and it created like this pattern for my whole life, whether it's movies or music, like I'm just constantly digging down from producers, directors, actors, editors, you know? And so, yeah, I just end up finding things. And then my way of sort of interacting with people is to recommend things. So I'm constantly, whether it's for better or worse, asking people like, oh, have you seen this movie? And a recent experience was friends my daughter who's eight her best friend's parents were over and they were talking about how their daughter has a nut allergy and so I was like oh have you seen hereditary which is a movie where someone has a nut allergy and you know I don't want to ruin it for anybody but it's pretty bad and my wife was just like what are you
0: doing And I was like I'm sorry
1: I don't know I just this is how I relate to people so yeah
0: awesome so I see behind you you have quite the collection of dvds do you still have any vhs's
1: I do. Yeah. I have a trunk of some of them. Some of them collected over the years, being in the video store, you get promo tapes. And so I would have a bunch of, I have a bunch of those. And then when my dad sold the, he eventually had three stores, but when he sold the one that I grew up in, the way that that usually works is you sell the lot of videos to another store. So while they were in our garage, I may have cherry picked a few to stay with me. So yeah.
0: Very cool. I'm definitely a fan of still keeping physical media around. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's, you know, my daughter comes down here to the the podcast studio and she pulls stuff off the shelf. And it's the same thing of like when I was a kid where I'd be like, oh, can I watch this? And my parents would be like, well, maybe not yet. My daughter at six pulled aliens off the shelf and was like, let's watch this. And I was like, yeah, you're not ready for, (laughs) not ready for aliens yet.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So why do you think, oh, I have to ask, have you been to the last Blockbuster that's in, I think, Eugene? Oregon. Oh, it's, it's in
1: a uh, Bend. I haven't been to that one, but I'm excited that it still exists. I'm excited people are going. Blockbuster was actually what put my dad's store out of business. Mm. They put one across the street. But you know what? People always try to make it like a mom and pop versus big video store thing. But I'm, I rented there. I went to, I mean, you went to video stores because they had the movies, right? Like we didn't have everything. So I would go to other video stores. So it wasn't ever like a adversarial thing, but I hope sometime when we go to Bend that I can check it out. But we also have a great movie uh, video store here in Portland called Movie Madness, which has like, you know, movie props and great extensive cult section. It's very cool.
0: Oh, cool. If I'm ever in Portland again, I'll have to check it out.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre?
1: Yeah, I love this question. And I wish I had a very unique answer. But my answer is, is the cliche. It's like, you know, the two biggest responses you get, I think, in cinema is comedy and then horror. And uh, I love both genres. And I think, you know, it's that roller coaster. It's like I, I can strap myself in and be watching something. I mean, I love in movies, when there's a sequence, like, you know, a portion of the movie is like just clipped, like whether it's James Wan introducing the clapping and like the whatever that. It's the not conjuring. a conjuring. Yeah. And uh, you just know you're like, oh, this is coming back. And then you just I just love to sit there. When I watch movies, I don't talk. I don't eat. I don't drink. I just like sit there and try to bathe in whatever the filmmakers are creating. and. You know, that's the thing. It's like they start the sequence and you're climbing up in the roller coaster and it gets the crescendo, and then you don't know how far it's going to go. And I just, I absolutely love that. So I, I think it's, it, I think it's that. It's the thrill ride.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely part of it for me. I'm asked a lot recently, like why I love horror movies by people who don't like them. Yeah. And I, yeah, I get kind of, I get kind of defensive, but.
1: <laughs> I well, know. I also think like people that don't like horror movies. I think they're shutting themselves off from something because I feel like there's for most genres, there's an in, you just haven't found your in yet. I recently had people over, they wanted to watch a movie for October and I chose psycho gore man for them and they didn't like gore and they don't like ghosts and couldn't do anything too scary. And the comedy in that film totally won them over. They were able to deal with the over the top gore. It was Uh, just a hilarious viewing with three people. And so it's like, you know, while that's a film that didn't work for you, it totally worked for these people. And so it's just um it's just a matter of finding your ins and outs, you know?
0: Yeah. I talk to uh people all the time who are like, I don't like horror, but I love Jurassic Park and maybe Alien. And I'm like, okay, so you like horror. You just don't like horror. You don't like hostile.
1: Right. Or like a ghost thing. Some people don't like ghost stuff. I mean, I, I get it, but it, it's it's an oversimplification to just be like, I don't like horror, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you live in Portland, Oregon, like we were saying, are there any haunted places that you've ever visited there?
1: No. And we have like, there's a place called the witch's castle, which is this weird stone structure in the middle of a park. And we've been to it. It's nothing creepy or Blair witchy going on there Mm -hmm. we have the Shanghai tunnels here in Portland which is a series of tunnels that exist underneath the city which in the past uh people would drop through hatches in bars and when they were drunk and be Mm -hmm. taken onto ships and then forced to work so they'd be Shanghai is what they called it and they're still like you can go on haunted tours where you'll find like a bunch of old shoes in a corner and it's very fun but I've never I've never seen any ghosts or encountered anything Mm -hmm. significantly spooky no
0: That's cool. Did you see Malignant? Yes. Have you ever been to the Seattle Underground Museum in Seattle?
1: No. And I lived there for a year and I didn't even know it existed.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. And I, back when I visited Portland and Seattle in 2011, I went to the Seattle Underground. It's very cool. It's very spooky. I would imagine it's very cool to do at night, maybe. Yeah. Maybe maybe they do like lantern led tours. I don't know. If not, they should.
1: We do have a friend who does like uh, seances and tarot readings. And we went to Astoria, which is a coastal town here in Oregon. And we went underneath a hotel and she did like a whole seance thing, which was very cool. Nothing significantly spooky happened, but it was still a very fun thing to do one evening.
0: That's cool. What's your favorite horror movie that has a seance in it?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Boy, there's there's so many. Oh, I really like the Manitou. Have you seen Manitou?
0: Never even heard of it.
1: <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a movie where a woman develops a growth on her neck and it grows to a huge size. And it is the rebirth of a shaman who <laughs> has come back to earth. It's got a great seance section in it. It's a wild movie. I mean, it's really crazy. I highly recommend it. Just if not, I mean, it's a slow burn, but when you get to the final conclusion, you, you're you shocked that this was a film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I can be shocked that it's a film just hearing what it's about. Yeah, yeah, oh, I believe you. It sounds like there's probably some body horror in it.
1: A little. I mean, it's like uh it's this like the 70s it's got Tony Curtis in it. It's just really. It's bizarre, but uh, (laughs) it's like the flavor of something that I really enjoy. I did an episode on it with someone who designs and reads tarot. And it was very interesting how accurate some of the tarot information in the film was because you wouldn't expect like, you're like, oh, it's this weird kind of schlocky, bizarre thing. But uh, there was some research involved. So they really did it.
0: Oh, good. Awesome. So what's your favorite subgenre in horror?
1: Okay. It depends on the mood, like many people say. I think overall, my big favorite has to be a loss of innocence. I think that there's something so haunting about that stage in your life where you're a kid and then you realize like evil's real. And I think that that can be in a lot of different films. Uh, My favorite film of all time is The Reflecting Skin directed by Philip Ridley. It's not per se a horror movie, but it's horrific in the sense of like, maybe like a David Lynch film or something where there's like, possibly vampires. There's definitely evil. There's a personification of death. And this boy is just kind of realizing like that the world isn't this game of make-believe and fun all the time. And those things I think really are haunting. So movies like In the Company of Wolves, Deadly Games, aka Dial Code Santa Claus, I think is what it's called. Uh, Devil's Backbone, Picnic at Hanging Rock. These are all excellent examples of that.
0: Awesome. I want to see Picnic at Hanging Rock. Though I it's hear good. it's, I hear it's like Victorian and like kind of slow. But...
1: Yeah, there was also a series that came out recently in the last like five years or something that was like six episodes. It's also good. It's it's very dreamy, and I couldn't tell you what really happens per se. But but I enjoy stuff like that, so it's not for everybody.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I watched the movie Come True, and I can't really tell you what happened. You <laughs> so. have you seen that one yet?
1: No, I haven't okay. even heard of it
0: yeah it's on it's on hulu so it came out in 2020 or 2021 so yeah it's about a girl who's participating in a sleep study so (laughs) okay yeah Yeah, which i think is where the name came from like dream come true okay but i don't i have no idea what the ending of that movie was but anyway i'll check it out Uh, (laughs) do you have any favorite horror directors
1: I do. I have a couple, two that are currently going Coralie Forgeet, I think is her name. She directed Revenge. I okay. think that is so well directed. I'm not a rape revenge film fan, um, but I think she directed a really amazing film and I'm interested to see what she does next. And then Issa Lopez that did Tigers Are Not Afraid. I'm really excited to see what's happening there. That film is, is awesome. I don't know if you've seen Tigers yeah. Are Not Afraid. Yeah. Yeah, it was
0: interesting.
1: And then classics, I would say probably Toby Hooper because I love Funhouse and Life Force. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was really funny when I was a kid. I think he's a good filmmaker that's not often considered among like the Romeros, but I think he's really great.
0: That's cool. Revenge has been on my shutter list for a little while. Sure. I, have to, I have to get around to watching that.
1: I mean, it's really something my uh, wife did not enjoy it at all. And I just I just think that she directs such a incredible film with such a punch of color. And then the the violence is crazy over the top. But, But I don't know. It's just really interesting. There's something about those films where you watch them and you just can't stop thinking about aspects of it, you know, or there's images that are just etched in your brain where it's like, if someone says that movie, it just pops right in your head. You're just like, yep. OK, got it. <laughs>
0: All right. Good to know. So you're the host of a podcast called the VHS podcast. Am I saying that right?
1: VHS. Yeah.
0: It's a podcast where each episode is about a film and each guest has the profession portrayed in the film. That's super cool. How did you come up with that idea? Well,
1: I, once I realized how much movies really meant to me, uh, I realized I wanted to do a podcast, but I didn't want to just do a podcast where it's just like two people talking about, um, the current movie Halloween kills or whatever it is. There's a lot of those. I don't want to dive into that pool. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do it unless I come up with something that's, that's different. And I think through my wife's business, she has a food business. And so i am used to meeting just thousands and thousands of strangers. And I just figured out that like, people think their lives are really boring, but it's because they're living their life every single day Uh, the specifics of people's lives are actually really fascinating but we just don't see it because we're just like this is this is what I do so I wanted to talk to people about their jobs and then I realized that there's professions in movies so I was like okay so I'm gonna take movies and sometimes people totally don't like the movies, that's not the point. I'm not saying like these are the best movies or anything like that. These are the movies that I'm gonna to use to talk to someone about their life and interview them and ask them questions. And so it's like 50% about a movie and the making of it and the creators and 50% about a person's actual like existence and what it's really like. So for instance, I took uh, of Unknown Origin, which is a movie with Peter Weller where he gets a big rat in his house and he has to battle this rat. And the guest I had was an exterminator. And so through the course of talking about the film, you also learn like, why would someone become an exterminator? Why would someone stay an exterminator? What is the day-to-day life of an exterminator? And also what's a bad day like for an exterminator? Cause that's <laughs> going to be very different from yeah. the bad day for me. Yeah. And it involves a lot of decomposition. It's very gross, but, but yeah, it's, it's been really fun. And, and there's definitely a moment in every single episode where I just realized like, like, Oh, this is the heart of the episode. This person just said something that like, I'll never forget. and, you know, so it's, it's really rewarding and I really enjoy it.
0: Awesome. That's really interesting. What have your favorite episodes been so far?
1: That's so hard. So there's eight seasons and there's eight episodes in each season. And I think some of my favorites would be vibes. Have you seen vibes? So it's Jeff Goldblum, Cindy Lauper. They're psychics that go on an adventure with Columbo. It's really fun. And my guess for that was the psychic medium and the fun thing about that is that I know many people who have seen this psychic medium. And you know, the experience is them seeing a psychic medium. She's amazing, Renee is her name. But I got to talk to her about what her life is like and what it's like living as a psychic medium, as well as talking about Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper. So it that one's really fun. Teen Witch with a Witch was very fun. Road games with a truck driver. I found a, a lady who's a truck driver who was just awe-inspiring. Intruder with the grocery manager was very fun. And then Pina with a dance instructor. Pina is a 3D documentary made by Wim Wenders about a dance choreographer. And the guest I had, he leads something called Dance Church, which is online, which is basically like a dance workout that people can go on and, and take and everything. And so that was really, really fascinating to sort of hear about the world of dance.
0: That's super cool. I've never heard of, what was it called? Vibes?
1: Vibes, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I love Jeff Goldblum, so I'll have to go watch that.
1: Yeah, growing up in the video store, I saw like this weird section of Jeff Goldblum's career, which, (laughs) like, Vibes was a stateside one, but then overseas, he did these movies, Beyond Therapy, Mr. Frost, also known as Deadly Mr. Frost, and The Tall Guy. And those three are really, really fun, really great and massively underseen Jeff Goldblum.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. I have not seen enough of his movies, even though I love him. He's my, like one of my favorite actors, Yeah, but yeah, um, he is very tall in person, so that is accurate that he would be in a movie called tall guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have kids, you said one kid, one kid. How do you plan on introducing them to horror?
1: So I've started, this was a big year and I did an episode about it in October where I showed her Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice. My daughter, I wouldn't have pushed horror on her. She came out a spooky kid is what happened. <laughs> so when she was around one, we had we had these universal monster sort of figurines that I think were from like Happy Meals or something at one point, but they were just around. And at one cl- one, when she would start to walk, we could say, where's Wolfman? And she would teetle off into her bedroom and come back with this little figure of Wolfman. And she just always loved ghosts and spooky stuff. So she wanted to have haunted birthdays at a very early age. So I built like a whole box fort that went through our entire basement for all her friends with strobe lights and glow sticks and spider webs and all kinds of stuff. So I didn't have to, I guess, introduce her to horror. But what I am cautious of is that she also while she likes spooky stuff she likes kid cartoons and you know it's not so into live action so I've really sort of sat back and had her enjoy her childhood before being like okay this is psycho you know like it's like
0: here is Saw
1: yeah I haven't jumped into any of that it's just it's just pacing and because she'll get to it you know I have it all here so she'll see it but but yeah it's it's been interesting to sort of navigate her exploring things on her own and you know fielding interest. She loved the cartoon The Real Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice way more than the movies.
0: <laughs> oh no way. Yeah. I still haven't seen Beetlejuice. So oh wow on my list. I saw I saw the Broadway show a couple of years ago which is great, but I've never seen I've never seen the actual movie.
1: So. Oh that's fascinating.
0: Yeah I like Tim Burton but it's just I've never gone around to watching that.
1: Yeah that was it was a big deal when it came out in theaters. Like it was, it, I remember looking at the the newspaper articles, like the ads for it and everything. And I loved, you know, Michael Keaton because I'd seen him in so many 80s comedies by then.
0: Have you watched uh, Nightmare Before Christmas?
1: Yeah, when she was really little, I mean, like two, two to three, somewhere in there is where we started movies. And she kind of liked it. She really liked Coraline and Paranorman. I don't know if you've seen either of those, but uh, Paranorman's great. Coraline was kind of freaky, but she loved it. And then as she got older, this is interesting, she started getting more creeped out by it. So it's, it's interesting that as a small child, someone having dual parents, one of which has buttons for eyes, not terrifying at all. And then as she gets older, she's like, you know what, someone's sewing buttons in your eyes. is kind of pretty fucked up, so...
0: Yeah, totally. I can definitely see that. I've heard that Coraline is pretty, pretty dark.
1: Yeah, it's it's good, but dark. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's on my list. (laughs) So an article came out last year that said that horror movie fans are handling lockdown better than non horror movie fans. Why do you think that was the case?
1: I think because it could be worse. Like if you just watch (laughs) dramas and things, you're like, you're like, oh, no, airborne illness. But if you watch horror movies, you're like, no one's putting needles under my fingernails. No one's making me swallow razor blades. Like, you know, piranhas aren't consuming my body. Things are okay. There's not a purge technically happening yet. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> every day. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's gotta be my answer is that it, it could be far worse. That being said, having a kid during the pandemic was utterly horrifying, I think watching horror movies before I had a child anything where a kid's in danger or whatever I was just like yeah what I mean the kid's in danger but then you have a kid and my everything shifted and now it's it's just so aggressively intense when there's a child involved <laughs> specifically if it's a girl if it's like someone my daughter's age it's just yeah. so unnerving whereas before I'd watch something like Stakeland, where I vampire eats a baby. And I would just laugh.
0: Ha <laughs> ha
1: Eat that baby. But now I'm like, Oh God.
0: Yeah. I feel the same way watching cats in horror movies. I don't like thinking about my cats getting.
1: Yeah. Killed. I'm a cat person too. And I heard you recently on an episode and the person was talking about dogs being murdered in horror movies. And I've never had a problem with that. I take no issue, uh, which I know is not a popular opinion, but I'm like, you're killing everything in the movie. Like, it, you know, why, why are you hung up on the fact of this dog actor? It's not a real <laughs> dog. They're not killing real dogs, But, uh, but yeah. Cats are a different story. I guess it's what I grew up with.
0: So how do you decide what horror movie to watch when you're looking for something to watch?
1: So in October, I do the 31 and 31 where everyone watches a different horror movie every night. And I theme those to push me out of my comfort zone. When it's not October, I watch whatever is new that I can find or like many physical media people, I got a stack that is like, I got to get to these. It's things that I bought and haven't got around to, or, you know, sometimes it's a box set where there's like, I haven't watched the fifth Omen movie yet. So it's things like that, but I try to balance it. My, my wife's very understanding and she knows what these things mean to me. So she'll sit through basically anything. I, one of my favorite sub subgenres is I call it things eating people other people call animal attack movies but my wife's not a big fan of alligator movies and so I will watch those when she's like putting my daughter to bed or something I won't subject her to it unless it's like a really good one we saw Crawl in the theater and I loved that that was amazing and but for the most part like she doesn't want to watch crocodile fury or some like weird 1970s, like (laughs) dark age or something. She's, she's not into that. So I try to be sensitive to her interests.
0: Yeah. I I can relate to that with your wife, but I did really like crawl, but is that crocodiles or alligators?
1: I get mixed up on it all the time to be honest. Yeah. I'm like, it's in Florida. I'm not going to go there. So it doesn't matter. (laughs)
0: So, matter. so is your wife a horror fan or does she just put up with it because sh- she loves you?
1: That's a great question. I <laughs> don't honestly, I don't think she considers herself a horror fan, but she likes like erotic thrillers. She loves David Lynch. She likes things that have dark subject matter for sure. We're both like old goth kids from the nineties. So it's like. There's definitely the dark subject matter, but I, I mean, I honestly, I love horror movies, but I don't like have a Halloween shirt that I wear around the house or, you know, like I don't, there, there are people who have memorabilia all over their walls and that's how they are horror fans. Mm-hmm. And I am not that, I love the movies, but my whole home isn't decorated in that. I recently bought, cause I love Phantasm, I bought this box set because it had phantasm two with like footage that had never existed in it before and with it came one of the spheres there and i feel like such a nerd having this thing and i don't know what to do with it i don't have like a collectible things like that and every time i look at it i'm like that's not who i am like <laughs> and, and that's okay i think you know people can love horror in, in in all their own different ways but you know i learned something about myself opening that box and putting that <laughs> on a shelf and being like this isn't me.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I can relate to that. I have like some movies and I have yeah. like one framed photo and like, that's it. I don't, I don't. really. What's collect. the framed photo? It's a production still West Craven and Neb oh. Campbell on the set of Scream signed by West Craven. So that's
1: great. I heard you mention that in an episode, yeah. I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's like my, that's like my one thing. I want to get some horror art to go on that wall behind for when I'm recording. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I'll figure it out at some point so yeah
1: i you know in in the studio you can't really see because there's a bunch of boxes in the way but i made an area that was the lost boys lounge is what i called it and it's not like lost boys is my favorite movie by any means but i have a giant poster of Kiefer sutherland and of alex winter and then above it is a garland of the boys hanging from the bridge in the movie it's Mm -hmm. just it's ridiculous when you walk in (laughs) because you're just like whoa that is those are huge Mm -hmm. posters of those guys um (laughs) But it was, it was for fun, really. Yeah. Yeah, I get a kick out of it when I walk in here and go, oh, yep, that's a giant poster <laughs> of those two dudes.
0: That's cool. So are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not a fan of, of, of rape in films. So like I Spit on Your Grave, Last House on the Left, things like that. I won't <laughs> watch those again. I also didn't particularly enjoy it the first time. Also, you know, I was really into checking out everything from the Asia extreme or all of the early 2000, the big boom where like the French extreme films, and then that kind of like ricocheted around the world. And so I watched a lot of them and I enjoy the ride of being like, Oh, this is dangerous. How far are they going to push it or whatever? But at the end of the day, am I ever going to watch it again? And no, I, <laughs> I stopped even buying those because I realized like, when would I ever put it on? Like, it's yeah. just, you know, it's not a, not a thing that I'm going to enjoy. But uh, what about yourself?
0: I, I want to say I'll never watch Saw again, but I did rewatch it right before <laughs> Spiral came out, but I don't know if I ever need to see it again. Yeah. Um, I'll never watch Last House on the Left again.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't ever want to see like a cannibal Holocaust mm-hmm. or a Serbian film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was I thinking of? Yeah, human centipede. I don't need to see that. So
1: those three movies. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that like there's also things that just don't work for me. Like Malignant wasn't a film that like hit it for me. No, but a, a, like lo- a lot of people really loved it. Yeah. My wife and I did not enjoy it at all. She actually went to bed, which never happens. But you know, other people absolutely love it. So there's a lot. I think Cannibal Holocaust is a great example of like a well-made film that is just problematic. And even when you take those things that are problematic out of it, it's like, but it, do we need this? Like, I don't know. I don't think so, is my answer. And I don't need Eli Roth's version of that either.
0: I do want to watch uh, Grand Inferno once, but I did another movie that I will probably never watch again is uh, Titan. but I watched that a couple of weeks ago. I never need to see that again. <laughs> I will probably never watch Raw Either I've never seen Raw, but I don't. It doesn't really sound appealing to me. And after not liking Titan, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm I'm yeah. all for whatever this director is trying to do, but sure. not for me,
1: <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoyed Titan, but I also liked Raw. And you know, that's those are, I mean, Titan and Raw. I'm just glad that there's a female director exploring. Female sexuality in these ways, because if it was a dude making that movie about a lady that has sex with a car, yeah. I would hate that movie. I would tell people not to watch it. But whatever she's working through, I think is really fascinating, and I don't think I need to watch it again. But I'm glad I watched it the first time, and I only saw raw one time as well.
0: Yeah, I'm glad I saw Titan. If you're listening and you haven't watched Titan yet a woman having sex with a car is the least bonkers thing that happens so yeah
1: and there's a there's a thing that happens in these movies and my wife and i talked about this recently um where i won't say what it is but the actress is going to do something with a sink involved and you see what the character is going to do and it causes me to like shake my hands next to my body. Cause I just have all this tension of what I'm about to witness and I can't look away, but I'm like, how far are they going to go? Oh my gosh, what am I going to see? And those kind of moments in movies, like it's just electric. And I, I just can't believe I'm seeing it. And there's a bunch of movies like that. Um, Wetlands from 2013 is a very disturbing movie that has a bunch of sequences like that. Dog Tooth is another one where you just like, you're like, oh no, are they going to? And then they do it, and you're like,
0: ah, they did it, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I see that you have a lot of tattoos. Do you have any horror tattoos?
1: I don't. Oh. I don't. I don't have any horror tattoos. All the tat. This arm is dedicated to my wife. So these are all points of her life oh. that I find uh, inspirational. And every time something else happens, I. I add to it, including our daughter. She's in this little bassinet Aww. thing here. Yeah, no, no horror tattoos. I was going to get them numerous times, but I didn't even get tattoos until I was 24, 25, which yeah. is good because I would have a collection of some of the worst tattoos ever.
0: <laughs> just a bunch of like astrological signs. Just sure.
1: so, just not my signs, just other <laughs> yeah. random signs. Yeah. And like words in Jap- Japanese that like, don't are like
0: mean. Yeah. You they
1: don't they mean, mean what it is. I'm like, it's, it says enlightenment. They're like, no, it doesn't say that at all. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters?
1: Oh my gosh. So I thought about this question. I think favorite, favorite memories. My, one of my favorites was when I lived in Seattle, I went to see the devil's backbone. I did not know who del Toro was. I hadn't seen I saw Kronos, but I didn't attach it to his name. So I was just seeing a movie about a ghost and I entered the theater. It was an old theater. I don't remember the name of it. And I was the only person in the theater. And so I sat in the middle of this old art house theater and watched Devil's Backbone, which is for me, like, absolutely beautiful. It's my favorite Guillermo del Toro film. I've been let down every film since then. And yeah, it was, it was, I, I, I could. I felt like it was a movie made just for me. It had like art house sensibility. It had ghosts. It had you know kids. It had loss of innocence. It was, you know, there's. Have you seen that movie? I haven't. No. So it's. It takes place in an orphanage in Spain. It's it's, it's surrounded by golden wheat fields, and in the center is of of the courtyard is a giant unexploded bomb just wedged in the earth. And then there's these kids and there's a ghost and there's gold. It's just atmospheric. And, and just the, the metaphor of this unexploded bomb in the middle of this place where there's all these children, it's really great. And so that's probably one of my favorites. One of my most disturbing was the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre from, I think, 2003. Uh, There was a family of like eight. So they had like, a bunch of kids, like babies, like so young. And that movie started and there's like, you know, this lady shoots herself through the brain and then the camera pulls through her head and you're, I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> it was very disturbing knowing that those children were there.
0: Oh, wow. I have been told to watch the remake of that because I did not really like the original, but I hear that this one is more modern, more fast paced and more happens and you see more.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, I like it for what it is. I think the, what the remake did, I think the same thing happens for, what was it? Dawn of the Dead? Have you seen that?
0: I, I saw the remake. I don't know if I've seen the original.
1: Yeah. So the remake, it's a great update. I mean, and I think that that's the power that remakes can have is they take something and then put it. Now and do some creative flourishes. And, and that's what the Texas Chainsaw Masker remake does. It's gritty, it's grimy, it's gross, it looks wonderful. And it's, you know, it's got this sepia tone to it. It's, it's, it's really good. And it was very effective in the theater. I think my other thing I wrote down was 28 Days Later. Seeing that in the theater, it's so loud. In the theater that like when the monkeys in the beginning are like rattling the cages and stuff like I felt shook and that's like the beginning of the movie. And I think that there's something to be said about how we watch things now whether it's a laptop or on our TV at home. If you have the sound down for a horror movie your jump scares aren't gonna make you jump. Like If you're looking at your phone, you're taken out of the context of the film. And and for us to like say like, oh, two stars on Letterboxd, when you were doing other things, that's such a disservice to the movie. I recently watched The Deep House, which is a haunted house movie at the bottom of a lake. And it's beautifully shot. It's just so gorgeous, all the underwater photography. The way that the filmmakers are using two actors with gopros and they have a uh, a drone and then the actual camera of the film they're cutting through all these different things so it it really manipulates you as an audience in the best way possible but if i hadn't had like stereo surround sound headphones on the jump scares wouldn't have worked and i would have just been like well this was just kind of a flat ghost movie but instead because of sound like i just i always have to champion that for people to be like, if you're going to really watch it, really give the movie a chance, like turn it up.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's why I still like going and seeing movies in theaters because there's not much around to distract you unless there's a shitty audience member around. And I want to get noise canceling headphones that I can sync to my TV because I've heard that like the Blair Witch Project is actually scary if you watch it with noise canceling headphones. yeah. So speaking of Del Toro, and since you live in the Pacific Northwest, West, have you seen Antlers yet?
1: I haven't seen it yet. I, it's not streaming, right?
0: No, it's not streaming. It's in theaters. Yeah.
1: So I haven't been, I have pretty bad theater luck. Like whenever I go, the most inconsiderate person will sit right by me. It's like, it's just, I get super anxious about it because I'm pretty thoughtful regarding other people. I try to be very respectful. And so when people are you know, loud, or they show up to a movie and just talk the whole time. It's like, it's very stressful. So I haven't been uh, to many movies recently.
0: Okay. Uh, So what's been your favorite horror movie so far of 2021?
1: Let's see. So I enjoyed the aspect of watching *Titan*, Candyman, so the original Candyman is a movie that my wife and I have seen the most out of any other movie together. She would we would put it on just for her to go to sleep. So we've seen it a lot. And the amount of detail that this film, this new film has from the original is just a great example of how to carry on the torch for these films, like to expand upon things. Not everything has to be the origin story. It can always be blow things out bigger but also show love to the original that people have had for so long and so I think that that's a master class in that the night house did you see the night house Mm -hmm. I thought that was really beautifully shot I didn't know where it was going I love not reading anything about a movie and then just putting it on and so that was that was really fun it ended and my wife said I want to watch it again which never happens and Mm -hmm. so she was like I feel like there's things that we missed and you know anytime that there's trauma in films. We both did social work for about 10 years. And so we love to talk about those sort of psychological aspects of things, like whether it's trauma and what what people do with that, or, you know, just grief and loss and how things are portrayed, you know, all the bummer feelings. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but we enjoy all that. So th- those are probably my favorites.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I think I, I did like The Night House, but I feel like I should watch it again. <clears throat> what horror movie are you most looking forward to seeing in 2022?
1: That's a great question. And I have no answer for it. I don't even know what's coming out in 2022. Do you have any uh, recommendations?
0: I know that scream is scream five slash scream 2022 is.
1: Yeah. I, I stopped the screams at scream Two. I know it's uh, sacrilegious to say, but (laughs) I, I saw the first one in the theater. I was like, Oh, this is a big deal. And then I saw the second one. And then I just, that was it. I don't know.
0: All right, well, I will watch all the movies that you've told me to watch tonight and then you watch Scream 3 and 4. Okay. <laughs> um, are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, genuinely, what do, what do people usually say for this?
0: It's always different, I don't know.
1: Yeah, No. you know, I don't think so. I like, well- I do like a lot of weird, wonky sequels to things. I like, you know, like Howling, when it gets to like Howling 2, that's really wild. Howling 4 is crazy. Some of the Amityville horror sequels, It's About Time, where it's about a haunted clock. That's that's one that I really like. Yeah, I don't think I have anything that's super controversial.
0: All right, that's okay. If you could remake one horror movie, which one would it be?
1: hellraiser three and i'll tell you why so hellraiser one everyone's like it's classic hellraiser two for me blew my mind like i didn't know that movies could go this crazy i didn't have you seen hellraiser two
0: i've seen just the first hellraiser it's not for me
1: (laughs) okay so hellraiser two i think is better even than the original i know that that's controversial uh there's a sequence where a skinless lady crawls out of a mattress. It's amazing. There's a giant labyrinth. There's a crazy creature things. The Cenobites are amazing. The lines are completely quotable. And then Hellraiser 3 comes out. And it's the first Hellraiser I'm going to see in the theater. And I'm there opening day. And what do I get? I get a Cenobite who shoots CDs out of his head and another guy that has a camera for an eye. It's not great and I know that some people for some reason like this movie but I think this is where everything went downhill for Hellraiser and after the high point for me which is two to then be like here's this movie and then everything's going to be worse from here on out I was like no so in my brain we we redo three let's raise the bar and then maybe we'll get better sequels I know that next year or the year after we're getting a Hellraiser TV series and a female pinhead I think Hellraiser So that'll be interesting. But also like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not one of those people that like holds things so preciously that like I, but I do wonder when some things get made, if it's just about money, you know, like if the heart of something isn't there, then I don't think it's going to be good. If Zack Snyder didn't love Dawn of the Dead, I think his remake with James Gunn's script and James Gunn loving it, of course, too, it wouldn't be good if it was just like, here's a new zombie movie. I mean, like, look at The Walking Dead. I don't know anyone that still watches this show, but <laughs> it's like still going. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, well, I think The Walking Dead just had their final season or they're in their final season. I I don't remember the last season that I watched. I have one or two more seasons to watch before the whole thing is done.
1: Yeah, I just couldn't like, I think it was the first or second episode. I was like, oh, so the whole show is we're safe. Oh, no, we're not safe. We got to get to safety. We're <laughs> safe. Oh, no, we're not. And then in between there, they're like, this guy's going to sleep with this guy's wife. And I was like, this is just a soap opera with zombies. I don't want to watch this.
0: I mean, it's really more about the humans than it, and it is about the zombies. So yeah. it's about how terrible people become during apocalypse, which we experienced last year. And this yeah. Show- Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> what do you know? Grown ups laying on the floor of a store because they don't want to wear a mask.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so my last question is, if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be?
1: Oh, my gosh. I forgot to think about this one. One <laughs> horror villain. Quarantine. Jaws.
0: In your bathtub?
1: Yeah. yeah. Just in a big tank. I just would enjoy... <laughs> As long as I don't have to be in the water with Jaws, I think that that would be very fun. I, I <laughs> Especially with the later sequels where Jaws can just stalk a family all the way down a coast. Like how the shark knows where they're going is amazing to me. But, uh, but if I had to pick like a classic killer person, Wishmaster.
0: Mm, I've never seen Wishmaster, so uh,
1: you might not like it. The first one is fascinating because it has all these different horror cameos in it. Mm-hmm. So as you're watching it, you'll you'll just be like, "Oh, there's Kane Hodder, and there's you know, Freddy." It's interesting. But the fun thing about Wishmaster is that like he's kind of like a leprechaun in a way where you'll you'll wish for like i would i want a million dollars and he'll be like no problem it's in your belly and then you just like explode with money or something but so you have to be very careful what you wish for but i think that would make for a very exciting quarantine you know just trying to carefully word things so that i don't die but i get something
0: nice okay
1: now now i want to watch wishmaster well don't oh geez that wasn't my intention (laughs)
0: well thank you so much for being here do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and your podcast
1: yeah sure so vhs you can spell it just V H U S. uh podcast is on all the streaming platforms we have a website vh-us.com on twitter and instagram it's V H U S underscore podcast and you'll see like i have an artist do original artwork for every episode where they're putting the guest and myself into the film that we're talking about it's very fun um yeah, and season nine will be coming out within the next month. We're booking guests and getting everything lined up. It'll be eight more episodes, about eight different films and eight different professions. So yeah, stay tuned.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Stay
1: yeah, right. thank you for having me.
0: That's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dirk Marshall and thanks again to Dirk for coming on. I'll leave links to where you can find him and his podcast in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod or on Instagram at Who's There Podcast, or if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot me an email at hello at who's Till next time, stay scary and get vaccinated.